0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the strike and ellicott files an unofficial podcast dedicated to all things cormoran strike and robin ellicott as written by robert galbraith my name is kens i'm lindsay and i'm pools and today we'll be continuing our reread of the running grave covering chapters 20 through 22 of part 2. please be aware as always that our discussion of the running grave will often reference the ending of this book as well as the rest of the books in the series.
1: I feel like you should say, it will often reference the ending of this book and chapter 64. <laughs> that feels appropriate. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. we do be mentioned in that chapter a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're sorry about that. Not really. I'm not sorry.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. sorry oh, it's amazing. Sorry. It's like the keystone of the entire series, that chapter. It
1: really is. That's the moment. It's the moment. Okay, let's jump right into the listener question. So we got this email from Gemma and she said, Hey, absolutely love the podcast. It's brilliant to hear just how much you love the books. I'm sure you won't get to read this, but I thought I'd message anyway. I'm doing a reread of Cuckoo's Calling, and can I ask how I have never heard anything more about Strike's army girlfriend, Tracy? Like, WTF? We never hear about her again, and Lucy says Strike should have married her. Tracy, Tracy, who? Any thoughts? This is killing me. <laughs> First of all, we did read that. Mm-hmm. But this is a Mm -hmm. fun question because Tracy's interesting to me. So we do hear other bits about her here and there. Not just this one mention. Strike dated her during his SIB days. Yeah. She's another officer like he was. I think a lot of us want to know more about Tracy because in my opinion, I think she was probably the healthiest relationship that he's had just from the little we know. At least that's Mm -hmm. what I have in my head. Uh, Lorelai could be up there since she's not a psycho, but Strike and Tracy, I think would have had so much more in common. And because it seems like it ended amicably, you know, he thinks that he had intended to send her flowers after she had a baby. And I don't think he would do that with an ex where it ended badly. You know, he's not sending Madeline flowers for anything.
2: (laughs) Nope. I can't see him sending any of the women he's dated in these books flowers because (laughs) they have all ended in disaster. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I feel like Tracy must really be something special. Other things we know about her... We know that she froze up driving on an alpine mountain pass and I would let too. Strike take the wheel. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely yeah. not. She was also with Strike in Africa at some point. He mentions a few different countries he was in because she was manning the video camera while he questioned a woman about an alleged rape. Mm-hmm. And that's all we know. I, yeah. Who was the mutual friend she married? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people think it's heartache. Graham Heartacre. Yeah, but yeah. he had multiple kids. Okay. So I don't know if the timeline works out. And why do I picture her as a blonde in my head? Is it just hmm. the name Tracy feels blonde? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It feels like a blonde name. Like you need a Tracy, Like she should be blonde. I don't know. I just
1: don't think that it would have ever worked because no. Strike was nowhere near ready to get over Charlotte and actually move on at that point when they dated. I have a feeling that they just wanted different things. Maybe she wanted commitment and children, and he just, obviously, he can't give her that. Yeah,
2: that was the gist I got as well.
1: Yeah, it would be fascinating to know who ended it, wouldn't it? It would be. I kind of want it to be Tracy like a I woman like- who recognized that he didn't want the
0: same thing as she did and said well, okay bye i think it would be really interesting to hear from her again i just wonder how serious things were with her because like on one hand we had lucy hoping that he and tracy would get married but in lethal white it says that charlotte was the only person he had ever said i love you too how long were they together and just how serious was it really did lucy just want he and tracy to get married because she seemed like she wasn't a total psychopath like charlotte probably i bet that's it
1: i don't know i think that they probably had a lot in common they probably dated for a while were a good match you know obviously lucy knew about her Mm -hmm. yeah lucy just probably was hoping for something more
0: i also kind of wonder whether or not tracy kind of looks like robin (laughs) well there maybe that's why you think she's blonde Uh, yeah i mean strike likes women with that coloring
2: yeah so that's just my feeling you know it's a good feeling i'd love to see her come back and need like strikes help and robin's like wait you have an ex who doesn't hate your guts that would be fun that would that's be really amazing. fun that would be super fun
1: yeah there's a lot of characters who people think will come back i don't know if it would happen but she would be one that i think would be really
2: fun i agree i want to get to know more too
1: i think we're just all really interested in boyfriend strike that's not we desperately need in, to see in these boyfriend books
2: strike yeah good boyfriend strike yeah
1: all right well i hope that answers your question Gemma. we're all really interested in solving the tracy
0: mystery as well yeah we are Mm -hmm.
1: okay so we have a this is the start of part two so we have a
0: part epigraph so the epigraph for this part is from hexagram 46 or pushing upward within the earth wood grows the image of pushing upward thus the superior man of devoted character heaps up small things in order to achieve something high and great.
1: So I think this might be the only time where I think the superior man is referring to both Strike and Robin. Obviously, since it's for an entire part, you know, and this is just the real beginning of their investigation, they might both feel like they're only getting small things here. But all of these small things
2: are going to add up to something great. I absolutely agree with you. It feels pretty straightforward. It is funny, though, that one of the small things in this part is strike meeting with abigail the murderer for the first time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it feels like joe's just messing with us a bit there yeah
1: and by the way speaking of the superior man stuff we got an email a while back that i thought would be good to read right here from rachel mm-hmm. and it's just a really good observation so she said hi Lindsay, kens and pools my husband and i were listening to episode two the superior man a few days ago he pointed something out that i just couldn't keep to ourselves so around the 44 minute mark the epigraph being discussed addresses a superior man and you ponder who strike is superior to and of course it's a very 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 long list lol but since this is the book of changes after all we actually think current strike could be superior to his past selves the current strike is making significant permanent changes to his life making healthier emotional decisions eventually making his feelings known to robin etc could be a long shot but i really like it looking forward to all the episodes for the running grave rachel that is not a long shot
2: at all i know i love it I totally agree because yes, the point of these books is that Strike is superior to his past self and yeah, everyone is becoming superior to their past selves because they're growing. It's great. Mm-hmm. Also, can I just say, I love that you and your husband listen to us together because I can't even get mine to read the books. So <laughs> Yeah. like I mean, he awesome. supports us in other ways by like coming to refill my wine while we record, etc. That's very supportive. Which is, we really all appreciate supportive. that. Yeah, we sure do. But no, that's that's so great. What a great date night activity. Listen to us mm-hmm. thirst for two hours about a fictional <laughs> man. <laughs> I love
1: it. But I really like that idea though. Mm-hmm, he is too. superior to other certain people, but also mm-hmm. to his past self. Absolutely. All
0: right, let's jump into chapter twenty. In chapter twenty, Midge and Barkley share intel about the area around Chapman Farm and Robin and Strike get updates about Jordan Rainey and Neve Doherty. The epigraph over the earth. The lake,
1: the image of gathering together. Thus, the superior man renews his weapons in order to meet the unforeseen. That's Hexagram 45, Gathering Together. Mm. I think Gathering Together is a great image for this chapter since that's what they're here doing. And I think I'm going to take back what I just said for the part two epigraph because I think you could also apply this superior man to both Strike and Robin. I get that Strike Mm -hmm. could be arming himself and the team for what's coming, but that really should be both of them, especially since Robin is the one who really needs
2: to be armed. It is a really great epigraph for the whole team coming together. The Hexagram states, such great times of unity unification will leave great achievements behind them which i mean bringing down the uhc a global cult that is a hell of a great achievement that this team and i'm making you dr gupta team gelling motion here with my hands Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. this team is coming together to accomplish because that's... Oh, I wonder how Dr. Gupta's doing. Is he still okay, kicking? Okay. Oh. <laughs>
0: also, I love that that's like a specific thing. The Dr. Gupta. The uh,
2: Gupta. Yeah, you got trademark. the motion, right? And they're there. They've got their team. It's yeah. great.
1: I also really like what the cake deck said. It says, people are stronger when they are gathered together within the vessel of community. A shared history adds depth. their connection
2: oh and it's so true because robin and strike have shared history with these people now we've seen it develop i'm having a lot of emotions about teamwork now
1: in the beginning of this chapter we see that midge had been in california for a week and this is interesting when you add it to the theory that you had kind of presented pools about there being a lot of americans
2: yeah, like I feel like there are too many mentions of it not to mean something. Mm-hmm. But what? Also, I'm curious about who Midge went on holiday with cuz she's not yeah. with anyone. And why California? Did she go with family? Know. Just herself? Was it a Disney thing? Is Midge a secret Disney adult? Like what else does California have? Well, if she wants to be a Disney adult with me, that'd be great. Yeah, but there are Disney's closer to her.
1: Maybe yours is the best one. Well, obviously, a mine is the best one cuz it's the sure. OG. Absolutely. I think that most people go to Florida though for Disney if they're like planning a destination vacation because they have more resorts than we do we just have the two yeah i was curious about this too given that it says she has a tan i was imagining it it was some sort of beach vacation because we got a lot
2: of those yeah it's a big thing so it feels like california must mean some kind of american foreshadowing because otherwise why wouldn't she just go to like one of the tourist beaches i don't know i want to hear listeners theories about what all this america stuff means yeah i don't know why california
1: but sure come on down bitch hang out hang out (laughs) i can hang out with a fictional character that i don't
2: really like. (laughs) god <laughs> midge i'll hang out with you i'll even come to california to do it you're my favorite uh, we have beaches <laughs> up here sort of
1: not the same weather no
2: and our beaches are on lakes and they kind of suck oh that's not a beach that's oh sad. it's a beach <laughs> beaches are a big lake. lakes they're the great lakes they're oh. basically little oceans mm-hmm. we have beaches on little lakes too
1: and they were quite nice. Mm, that is not how I would imagine a beach. <laughs>
2: well, we've got poutine, so
0: maybe we'll take a trip to New York next.
2: New York would make sense with all the pizza. It would. And New Yorkers drink coffee. Sure. Maybe when did Hamilton open? Maybe they go to see Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. I want Strike to rap to Hamilton the way he rapped to DB Mac. Oh my god, that would that be was amazing. So cute. Oh, that would be so good. That's yeah, okay. that's one of my
1: top cute strike moments is when he mm-hmm. raps. Anyway, this whole bit is very endearing, where Dev, Midge, and Barkley have all taken turns figuring out where the cameras are at Chapman Farm, where the blind spots are, especially
0: Barkley clearing out a path for Robin at what will be the rock spot. Barkley is both really smart and a real one for clearing out all those brambles.
2: And it's just like how he helped dig out the nettles from that horse's grave in the White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. grave digging buddies. If I was Barkley's wife, I'd be nervous about him being up at a cult. Well, there's no real evidence that the church is killing anyone yet. You know, Collect- let That would stop me. That would stop me from being worried. No, I mean, (laughs) I guess so. But worst case, if he gets caught, he pretends a farmer hired him to clear some land, and he got the wrong field. Right? You know, it worked for Midge, but you'd still be anxious. Have you met me before? (laughs) I
1: mean, is this just how people go through life, not worrying about things? Yeah. No. Yeah, I'd be super worried about this if I were. Yeah. I'd be chill. I'd be like, all right, have fun. Anyway, this does give a real sense of. A team dynamic between them
0: again Mm -hmm. i know it's their job but it does feel like
1: they all really wanted to make sure that this was done really well because they care about robin
0: yeah you really do get the sense in this book that the whole team really cares about robin and it's Mm -hmm. such a huge difference from how the team felt during troubled blood
2: fucking morris don't remind me
0: (laughs) fuck that guy
2: i try to forget that he existed most of the time so strike brings out the rock
1: and explains the plan of how they're going to write letters back and forth this was super exciting for me because we had discussed the possibility of letters being exchanged and dropped. I think it was Kurt who suggested that there would be a drop location for messages and he was right on that. Mm -hmm. I know you had wondered why they didn't use a burner phone for this pools. I've been thinking about it. I feel like it's possible you wouldn't get great reception out there. Mm. That's a guess on my part, but it's possible. Um, But more importantly, I think that it would be a lot riskier for Robin to be out there talking to someone um, and having someone overhear her? Because that's how she hears Will and Lynn. Mm. It seems riskier than writing
0: letters. Yeah, that's been my thought as well. Because communicating with someone on the outside is going to be risky regardless of the approach, but communicating over the phone where somebody else could potentially overhear your conversation really ramps up the risk of getting caught.
1: I'd be scared about it. Like Even if you didn't get
2: caught in the moment, what if someone heard? Well, she could have texted her updates on the burner phone and then just had it there to call from in the case of emergencies. I feel like sitting in the middle of the way, Texting is much easier than sitting in the middle of the woods trying to hold a flashlight and write a letter. Maybe. I guess they just, how would they have kept it charged? Well, you replace it each week with a freshly charged one that you turn off when you put in the rock. Maybe. But you might have a point about reception though. Although I feel like the principles probably have cell phones and the ability to use them at the farm even if not all of them you're not telling me waste goes there and doesn't have his little no cell i'm phone. sure they have because they facetime mazu at one point oh yeah they can facetime so they've
1: got yeah. wi-fi I, I we don't know how big yeah we don't know how big the area is but Mm -hmm. letters is just so much more romantic Mm -hmm. you know that's what it comes down to
0: she can cry over seeing
2: his kiss yeah yeah
0: it really helps with that whole absence making the heart grow fonder anyway this part made me really nervous when it says if you skip a thursday
1: letter one of us stays in the vicinity and keeps checking the rock if we haven't heard from you by saturday evening we come in the front too soon said robin make it sunday i remember being really nervous about this because I was like, oh, no, something's going to happen and they're going to wait and it's going to be bad. Mm. And I yeah. can't help but think of later on. I don't remember if it's Strike Robin who thinks about how Strike had always said he'd come in the front to get her. But how does that actually
2: look? What would have actually yeah. happened if he had to do that? I think that was Strike once he realized that, oh, she actually hasn't shown up. Mm-hmm. And oh shit, what the am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're a bit blasé about this. Just like when later in the book, when Strike says they'll pull over and confront whoever's tailing them. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, you won't. No, you won't. Saying we'll walk in and get you and actually being able to do that are two different things. And you, you can't know until you're in the, the situation, right? Yeah. Although I bet he could have pretended to be Rowena's ex-fiance. I would have loved demanded- that. Yeah. Love oh, it already. Boy, I would have loved it and demanded to see her or else he called the police to report them for kidnapping just show Mm. up at the farm make a huge fuss threaten them with the cops and they'll bring her out right because they would have trusted the brainwashing to work they let will see his family when they kicked up a fuss yeah but of course the brainwashing doesn't work she'd have just walked out the door with him because i would like to see any of them try to physically stop strike from taking her out the door with him at Mm -hmm. that point Yep, that would have been possible. good. Yep. Mm, it would have been sexy.
1: When I say good, that's what I mean.
2: Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Obviously.
1: Yes. Uh yeah. I the thought of Strike
0: just busting down the doors and, you know, screaming for her, it's appealing.
2: it's appealing
0: Mm -hmm. any scene with strike dramatically coming to robin's rescue is gonna be a hit it is Mm -hmm. every time
1: anyway i'm still finding myself so stressed and full of dread when i'm reading these parts even though i know it's gonna be okay but this part where robin is telling them about all the things people aren't allowed to take with them no medications none of their toiletries nothing personal
2: yeah it hits everybody at this moment i think the bit where at the same time barclay midge and strike are all like don't take your phone makes me laugh because like i mean i'm pretty sure that. Robin has already definitely made plans to not bring her phone full of info, identifying her as a detective into the clutches of this cult she's infiltrating. Like, did it really need to be said? If I was Robin, I'd have had a hard time not rolling my eyes at them. Because, yeah, yeah, of course
1: I'm not bringing my phone. There's this moment where they're all silent and Barkley asks
2: if she's going to be okay. And I remember thinking, I'm not okay. (laughs) No, none of us are. We are about to embark upon 433 pages of absolutely nothing being okay ever. We need to strap ourselves in, check our emergency exits, practice putting on our oxygen masks because it's about to get real i bet pat was really worried oh my god pat was so worried i really like this part
1: where robin asked midge about the bigfoot case she asks if bigfoot has ever met anyone for sex that the wife could use in the divorce and midge says no but that she doesn't really care and she calls the wife a snotty cow <laughs> strike says we're team client even if they're bastards
0: god right they should put that on their business mission statement somewhere honestly though it must be hard to do work for someone if you really dislike them yeah
2: strike has fired bastard clients that he didn't like before like that Mm -hmm. guy in the beginning of silkworm what's his face oh yeah you remember that moment don't
0: you oh yeah
2: can you describe it a little bit well it was the moment where he stepped forward and suddenly Mm. he seemed to be much bigger he seemed to fill up more space in a very (laughs) threatening and sexy way interesting i'm adding that bit as my own commentary i don't believe that that word was in the book
1: well it's implied heavily it's implied i mean i think we all know
2: (laughs) i think we all know so i feel like their motto should really be we're team client even if they're bastards unless they insult Robin in which case their days are numbered I -hmm. mean I guess
1: it is different if a client's being rude to one of them versus just not liking someone in general yeah I really like what comes after this between Strike and Midge because Midge says that she gets tired of helping people who have never done a day's bloody work in their lives and Strike (laughs) responds with when I find a starving orphan who can afford to hire us I'll pass them straight to you (laughs) (laughs) I just like this moment because I think that this might be a way where Midge and Strike are a bit similar, because, I mean, we can't forget Leonora, right? It's kind of Mm -hmm. like they both have this desire to help the underdog.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think that Strike... And Midge are similar in many ways, which mm. might be why they clash so often. Mm. And I can see your face there, Lindsay, because <laughs> we know you're much like Strike, and you recently had the revelation that oh shit. Let, let's not talk maybe about my got, recent revelation. Maybe okay? you've got some Midge in you there too, Mrs. Uh. I don't take orders well and make a bad employee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate the therapy this. edition. I hate That'll this. Work. <laughs> Um. See, I don't take orders see. well either, but I just love it, uh, and I'm like, I ah, uh, love its coordination. I'm all for it. I mean, okay, fine. Maybe this is a recent revelation I've had that I hate. Let's not delve into any reasons why I hate Yasmin as much so much though. <laughs> oh, that no. worries me. Uh-huh. I'm Like, why is my hate so visceral? I don't want to explore that. I'm not ready for that level of shadow work. <laughs> I did explore this a bit. I'm good for
1: you. This is what I, I was talking to Kurt about this, right? And yeah. I, uh, we've kind of been on the same page about Mitch. And then I was like, it was actually something that you said, Pools, and when I was editing our last episode, it was you were talking about the oldest child thing, not taking, not liking to take orders or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why that struck something in me, but I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, so... Here's just what I wrote about maybe maybe possibly. Uh-huh possibly me being similar to her
2: uh-huh.
1: I wrote I don't think of myself as argumentative although I know that might make some people roll their eyes or laugh at me because I do think that other people think that I am I don't seek arguments or enjoy having them I'm just not afraid to disagree and struggle with not saying anything if I do
2: that's not argumentative though
1: that's a different thing it is a different th- that's having principles that's why I say that I don't think I am but I think other people think that I am yeah but this is the thing about Midge that annoys me right the most and it's the thing that I worry about the most in myself Mm. and the thing that I dislike the most Mm -hmm. and you know obviously you already said the insubordination (laughs) thing I I mean yeah I've already said in the last episode I could be like that rules I'm a rule follower but they need
2: to be justified right well considering that I love Mitch I think you're great so (laughs)
1: well Joe loves her too so yeah so can't nothing can't to be worried about here oh uh, i'm a bit worried about this this is
2: peak therapy
1: this <laughs> is peak therapy because yeah i mean these are the things that annoy me about midge and then when i feel myself doing it yeah. i get so annoyed with myself and then i feel terrible about it for the whole
2: day you shouldn't just be like yeah fuck you <laughs> i do what i want oh boy oh but this is this was very funny so i genuinely cuz can you see strike just silently going along with an order that he thought was bullshit no of course not would strike argue back yes i know that but the thing is with midge i think she
1: goes too far sometimes like Mm -hmm. when we get to the argument that they have later i think she crossed the line
2: that one is funny
1: i wouldn't have crossed that line i wouldn't have said what she said for it she does
2: but yeah i can't (laughs) wait to get to that by the way (laughs) let's keep that thought in our back pocket as we go on because i love it I'm delighted. Anyway, I hate this. I love it. (laughs) I'm thrilled because I love Midge. I love (sighs) Strike. I think that they clash sometimes because they're maybe a little too similar. Maybe. Oh, boy. And I think Dev is maybe more like Robin. If there's a sort of Robin. I see that. Like, they're both very principled. Mm -hmm. They're both quietly competent. Both very attractive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Dev is like the Robin and Barclay is just wildcard. Barclay is
1: is his own entity. Oh, I don't know how to move on from this because I'm horrified by this realization.
2: Let's say something. (laughs) Let's let's go to some very cute Midge and Barclay moments. Sure. Okay. I think you had one that you liked. Well, I mean, when they say goodbye to Robin,
1: it's very sweet. Um, It's crazy to think that they're not going to see her for four months.
2: That's insane. That's like a third of a year, right? Don't ask me to do math. (laughs) But yes, that is right. (laughs) It's a third of a year. It is. Also, I feel like Robin is every subcontractor's favorite boss. Probably. How could she not be? She's Robin. She's Strike's favorite too. So like, oh, we're, yeah. It's like we're we're stuck stuck with with this fucking grumpy Strike who doesn't have Robin to cheer him up for four months? Mm. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I mean, I think
1: more so than anything, they're just worried about her. This is scary. Yeah, that too. Mm -hmm. It is scary. Barkley mentions a novel here well mm-hmm. it's also a show and a film i think too but yeah the Ipcus file, the
0: file? Um, mm-hmm. i've never heard of it but it does involve someone undercover i had never heard of it before i read this book to be honest uh, i mm-hmm. think that barclay's referring to the movie so it is a british spy film that was made in the mid-60s and in the movie michael Caine's character harry palmer uses pain to distract himself from the attempted brainwashing at a certain point though it's probably good that barclay doesn't mention that palmer ends up succumbing to the brainwashing
2: later oh but he- He does eventually beat it, which actually makes sense for Robin. Yeah. And I read in the summary that at the end, the one character says he picked him for the assignment because he was so insubordinate. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, that's no, why I knew he could resist the uh, brainwashing. Well, there you go. That would yeah. that tells me that I wouldn't join the cult then. You'd do great. You wouldn't
1: <laughs> join the cult. So that fits. I can't stop thinking about this because all the times I've complained about Midge on the podcast. And now I was like, <laughs> when I was hit with this, I was just like, I need to go
2: find a hole. <laughs> to Mm -hmm. crawl into very funny i'm glad you're entertained i am entertained it was very sweet of barclay to give robin advice though. very helpful advice rusty nail not gonna give her tetanus at all
1: i actually thought that that's what she was doing with the rocks like my very first thought was that she's gonna hold a rock tightly oh
2: my god yeah
1: i thought that that's what she was doing but then i
2: quickly realized that that was ridiculous instead she turns to strike to keep her sane oh okay very cute
1: i mean it's fine it's whatever if you like that kind of thing (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't we'll even her. say that with a straight face. We'll get her. Okay, so after they leave, Robin tells Strike that she found Jordan Reedy in prison. And this part is so cute when Robin suggests sending him a letter and Strike jokes, Dear Mr. Reedy, having seen your mugshot, you strike me as the kind of bloke who'd very much like to help a criminal investigation. <laughs> And Robin laughs, and I was thinking, take note, Murphy. That's how you make Robin genuinely laugh, by being actually funny. (laughs) I'm now convinced myself that she fake laughs for Murphy. Same. And I'm going to put it in my predictions for book eight that she stops doing this, and he says something about it like, didn't you hear my joke? Or it's going to be some sort of thing. Oh, yeah.
2: Like, "Uh, I don't know, because jokes are supposed to be funny. So
1: (laughs) That would be glorious. I hope you're right. I hope so, too. I would enjoy that. Mm -hmm. So I love this part where strike tells robin that he needs to tell her something before she goes in Mm -hmm. i know it says he looked serious but hesitant and robin felt a tiny electric shock in the pit of her stomach just as she had when Prudence said robin was the most important person in strike's life i don't know how you both feel about this but i really think that robin might have thought that he was about to say something sentimental and that's why she felt that same
2: electric shock I thought the exact same thing, yeah. right? Was some tiny part of her kind of hoping for a last-minute feelings confession? Although that would have been terrible yeah. fucking timing. Yeah. Uh, maybe something a bit less dramatic, but still very emotionally meaningful. Yeah, that's what I think. Mm. I, okay, she feels this shock four times in this book,
1: right? Mm-hmm. When Prudence said that to her, when his hair touches hers on the couch. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I know. This moment, and then, of course, at the end when he says that he's in love with her. So... Oh. sorry sorry I had to take a moment I I know I felt like you're about to cross yourself
2: (laughs) I legitimately was about to like (laughs) Father, Son, Holy Spirit, help me through this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. I know that doesn't translate to listening, but that was funny. But this one, it doesn't really fit unless she thought something was coming. I think,
0: she, I think she did. Yeah, that was my impression as well, that she was expecting or maybe even hoping for Strike to share something more sentimental with her. But what exactly was she hoping that he would say, I wonder?
1: It had to be something like him saying he was going to miss her. Oh. Or asking her to be careful, like, I need you in one piece, or something like that. Oh, I love the I need you I idea. It had to be. Yeah. He
2: should have said, I'm going to miss you.
1: Why didn't they? I know. It kills me. Okay, but then he actually tells her that he, Lucy, and Leda were at the Elmerton community for six months. And in mm-hmm. one of our last episodes, we talked about how Strike never tells robin about what happened to lucy but i think here she does realize it anyway because he said nothing happened to me in there he'd unintentionally placed a slight emphasis on the word me
0: yeah i think you're right robin's able to put two and two together without strike having to say it explicitly
1: and strike warns her about mazu and says not to trust her and he says no i mean don't assume there's any sense of he groped for the right word you know sisterhood there not when it comes to spirit bonding if she wants to take you to some bloke There came a knock on the door. I think for the first time, I was with Strike being annoyed that Pat had interrupted them because I was dying for him to finish this thought and for Robin to really understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. I was so worried that this meant that Mazu was going to betray her in some sort of way like this, bring her to someone.
2: You know, what this made me think was Strike's phrasing and his assumptions and giving this warning really show that neither of them actually know what it's going to be like to be in this cult. They can't comprehend it yet because warning Robin not to trust Mazu, not to go with her. Robin doesn't have the choice to not go with Mazu and do what Mazu says inside Chapman Farm. As we see when she kisses Mazu's feet and follows her into the temple. The control and fear that Mazu holds over the members is so strong, and you cannot understand what that's like until you've experienced it. Robin can't just make an excuse to say, no, I'm not going with you to that guy.
1: Yeah, I agree. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think the don't go with her thing was... He's trying to be specific in explaining yeah. Lucy's situation. But I was just hoping that Robin would understand that Mazu wouldn't help her when it came to the creepy sex stuff, I guess. Yeah,
2: I think after two minutes after meeting her.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Robin yeah. I know. Be like,
2: oh, boy.
1: I know. But it's just this is one but of yeah. those interrupted conversations in this book that. Felt nerve-wracking.
2: Yeah, I get you. Let them finish a conversation, for the love of God. I know, just one time.
1: One (laughs) joke. Come on, Joe. (laughs) I
2: think you're being funny.
1: (laughs) But this is when Deirdre Doherty's daughter returns Strike's Call. And we Mm -hmm. said before that we weren't sure how to say her name. Chloe on Twitter let us know that it is pronounced Neve. 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 Like Neve on catfish. I can remember that. Right. I liked her from this phone call. I thought she asked good questions and she seemed willing to help.
2: Yeah. I mean, the fact that their client had a relative inside the church, that was what seemed to Mm. make her decide to help, right? Yeah. Which speaks well of her. It feels like just from this tiny interaction that freeing someone else from this cult is a motivating factor for her
1: and she knows what that feels like yeah she does yeah so good sign it's also adorable because strike is all excited to ask robin to go with him oh my god (laughs) be good if you heard what she's got to say before you go in he's just so cute he could totally just tell her what she said but of course
0: he wants her to go well yeah of course because listen when strike has an opportunity to do a joint interview with robin he's going to take it See also, troubled blood.
2: He likes hanging out with her.
0: Once Robin had left, Strike sat down at his computer, his spirits rather higher than they had been on waking up. he just scuppered the possibility of Robin spending the whole of her last free day before going undercover with Ryan Murphy. If his actions were called, however faintly, Charlotte Ross's machinations with regard to himself, his conscience remained surprisingly untroubled as he googled pleasant places to have lunch in Chalfont, St. Giles.
2: Oh, my
1: God. He's Googling. (laughs) He's Googling. Yeah, I know. First of all, I don't think this is close to Charlotte-level manipulation. This feels very human Mm -hmm. and
0: adorable. Totally. This lacks the maliciousness and just general sort of nastiness of Charlotte's manipulation, for sure. Because he just wants to get to spend some more time with Robin before she's gone. Which I guess you can argue Murphy's trying to do in the next chapter as well. Ah, blah. Fuck that guy. Seriously. But it doesn't even sound like he asked Robin what they wanted to do together before she left for Chapman Farm, Mm. did he? He just took Mm -hmm. the day off without asking her what they wanted to do. Yep. Assumed she had nothing else going on. But
1: second of all, Strike Googling places, as you've said. This is adorable. And it echoes troubled blood for me when Robin Googled a nice pub for Strike's birthday for them Mm -hmm. after they go interview Janice and Irene.
2: He's matching her energy.
1: Yes. And you know what else is interesting? They get a call from Abigail in the next chapter on their way. Yeah. So technically, in both of these instances, here and in Trouble Blood, they spoke to the killer on the day when they went out to eat at a place that they had looked up for the other.
2: Oh my God, that's very specific. It is. All right, so next time one of them starts Googling restaurants, we are going to pay attention.
1: No, we're not. But... I say
2: knowing full well <laughs> that I will not be paying attention. But we'll talk
1: about it afterwards when it happens again.
2: Exactly. And
1: we'll say, I can't believe we missed that.
2: <laughs> we literally specifically <laughs> said that we would pay attention
1: to it. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. All right. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Was that a fun one. really good. Also still adorable. I love that Strike did this.
2: Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Literally, he's matching our energy. He's matching our effort. Mm-hmm. I feel like Robin's boyfriend Strike is going to be great boyfriend strike top tier okay let's go to chapter 21
0: let's do it all right chapter 21 strike and robin interviewed neve doherty the epigraph for this one the danger of heaven lies in the fact that one cannot climb it the effects of the time of danger are truly great and that Mm -hmm. is from hexagram 29 the abysmal and water
1: 29 this was a hexagram that caused us all to freak out before the book came out wasn't it oh yeah freak out us doesn't sound right No, it <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, doesn't track
1: yeah we were all worried about this one because
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, because i wanted robin to drown like in the ocean well that <laughs> yes that but joe posted this as a header
1: right that's where yes. we yeah but This hexagram being water on water and all about finding yourself in danger in water, I think it could be a clue about what happened to Deirdre because in this Mm. chapter, Neve says that she never found out what happened to her mother.
2: Oh, that's so smart. Yes.
1: And I'm interested in this bit from the Book of Changes. I'm not quite sure what it means, but the Mm. whole line says, The danger of heaven lies in the fact that one cannot climb it. The dangers of earth are the mountains and rivers, hills and heights. The kings and princes make use of the danger to protect their realms. The effects of the time of danger are truly great. And then it says, danger serves as a protective measure for heaven, earth, and the prince. But it is never an end in itself. Therefore, it is said, the effects of the time of danger are great.
2: Well, I suppose that waste is... The king or the prince using danger to protect his realm, his institution, right? The danger of heaven, the spirit world, and the danger of earth, the murder pool. And we learn more about the spirit dangers of the drawn prophet in this chapter. But also, like you said, Linz, we get those hints about what happened to Deirdre here, about the defenses that the princes set up that aren't an end in themselves but are for the larger project
1: yeah i think that's what it is yeah Mm -hmm. all right so strike and robin make their way to neve doherty's and am i the only one who loves when robin (laughs) drives his car
2: oh no no definitely not. not you are not the only one i adore strike being robin's passenger princess he recognizes her skills and her preferences and he respects them and he lets her drive You know, he doesn't subscribe to this nonsense of being emasculated like a certain someone who kept stalling at the Land Rover. (laughs) <laughs> he just, he eats the snacks, he controls the radio and he he drinks mm. from his Stanley cup and he's good. I think for me, there's also something about it being his
1: car because there's mm. a certain level of closeness required for someone mm. to allow someone else to drive their car. Yeah. You don't just let anyone drive your car, but it's a normal thing for them because they're so close.
2: Oh, yeah, it is.
1: Uh, Robin thinks about how she realized that she wouldn't be able to take her birth control and that it was specifically listed as a banned medication. I think most people were way too worried worried about what this would mean for Robin and Murphy instead of what I think it's actually hinting at. Mm -hmm. Of course the UHC specifically bans birth control. They do not want women taking it when (laughs) their whole business is getting women pregnant.
0: Yeah exactly. The whole lack of birth control is supposed to point to the whole baby trafficking plotline. Not Robin getting
2: knocked up. I swear this is like a perpetual fear in this fandom (laughs) and I just don't get it. I don't either. Yeah I'm not on board I don't feel this fear either. Mm -hmm. She's definitely not pregnant before she goes into the farm. Timeline rules that out. And then afterwards the book specifically mentions her buying and using condoms so i'm confused about how a reference to using protection is foreshadowing for a pregnancy (laughs) (laughs) Um, because especially since it's just for a bit before she goes back on the pill right yeah make the math math
1: for me because it's not math and i feel like poor joe is thinking let me make sure to say robin bought condoms so no one freaks out and then she (laughs) scrolls and then she scrolls through Twitter and it's like, oh, come on. Oh, that's
2: <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's very good.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're all on the same page on this, I think. Mm, I think so. But anyway, it says that she didn't tell Strike about this. And I was just laughing because she really could have used this as an opportunity to ask the question that Ilsa wanted her to ask. Oh, my God. Obviously, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know she didn't tell me
2: about have. your
0: contraceptive preferences. It would have been great.
2: That would have been so hilarious. She'd be like, yeah. So I got to stop taking the pill, I guess. Uh, speaking of birth control do you <laughs> do you guard your condoms after you use them in like in case of heist or... just throw yeah, guys wrap them up and throw heist. them in your pocket yeah do you like you'd probably tie them up and like put them in your pocket so no yeah, one can get take them. them with you dispose of the evidence properly horrifying i <laughs> really want to see that conversation yeah, yeah really do great. That would
1: have been so good. Oh, I can't wait for them to be able to talk about things like this. It's just going to be in my head that they're going to talk about all of these things. That oh, I I wanted to say this to you
2: but didn't. It, it'll be really cute. I wanted to tell you that Bijou stole condoms and shoved them <laughs> up herself, but I refrained. And he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Amazing. Yeah.
1: Moving on. Anyway, the other thing she doesn't tell Strike is that she and Murphy had a near argument when he said he took the day off as a surprise so he could spend it with her.
2: I don't think I'm the only one who finds this annoying. Oh, no. You cannot blame someone for making plans when they didn't know that you wanted them to not make plans, right? Right. She's working. It is a work day, but Mm -hmm. you can't do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe it's unfair because if Strike took a day off to surprise her with something It would be
2: sweet. It was sweet when he did it.
1: Oh, oh,
2: oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Very cute.
1: For Murphy to just assume that she's free Mm -hmm. and assume that he's the one
0: (laughs) he wants to spend it with. Because no, dude, it's not you. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's definitely not just you. I found it kind of annoying too, which to your point might be unfair, but I feel like Murphy... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> should probably know by now, eight months in, that being a private investigator can be a bit unpredictable. You know, with the hours, Robin is super dedicated to her job and that we really should ask before making plans.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You can't just schedule surprises for partners in private investigation unless your name is Palmer and Strike. That's how the saying goes,
2: right? That is exactly how the saying goes. Because listen, Strike will be able to plan surprises because he's her partner. He knows exactly what her work schedule is. He has access to the Rhoda. He has Pat to help him with his little clever schemes, right? To be an accomplice. But anyone else, no, they can't do it. Also, you'd think that Murphy would have wanted her as prepared as possible since he's so worried about undercover, which means talking to people who've been in the cult. Yeah. So he should take several seats.
1: I know people have a lot of opinions about Murphy. We're going to talk about, we're going to do a listener question about Murphy in two episodes yeah and we're going to talk about the different arguments Mm -hmm. with murphy Mm -hmm. because people feel very strongly about it so if you're screaming at us and arguing there's nothing wrong with murphy we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it but now here is when strike gets the call from abigail glover aka the killer
2: murderess
1: The phone call was really interesting because reading it, knowing now that Abigail is the one who killed Dayu and Kevin, it's totally suspicious the way she keeps leaving these huge gaps of silence in the conversation and asking who he's working for. But on my first read, I felt sympathetic. I thought she was acting this way because of the horrible trauma that must have happened to
0: her
2: in the UHC.
0: What a brilliant bit of misdirection there.
2: It really is. The fact that she calls him back eventually, she must have needed to know what he knew already. Because Strike has said before that killers are often eager to talk to him to find out info about the investigation. And that need to know would have outweighed the fear that he was going to look into her.
1: Yeah. She needs to know if he's next on her list. Yeah,
2: exactly. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so they get to Neve's house and I want to talk about her dog for a second.
2: I love talking about dogs.
1: When Strike and Robin ring the doorbell, there's a dog barking and Neve says, calm down Basil. Mm -hmm. Now, first of all, in American English, we say Basil, Mm -hmm. but I know that that's not how it's said. It's Basil. And I always like to look up names of pets because if you remember in Lethal White, and I believe it was Louise Freeman who pointed this out years ago, that one of the Chisels dogs was named Rattenbury. Mm -hmm. And that was a clue to the killer because Rattenbury was a real person who was murdered by his wife's lover or something like that. Like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very fitting for Lethal White. Mm-hmm. This one, though, I was hoping that there'd be something, but I don't really think there's a clue.
2: Neve likes to bake. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Yeah, she makes like focaccia.
0: Sure. I don't know. Even looking at Basil's meaning as like a given name, you don't really get too much. It apparently means royal. Kingly, brave, valiant, and chivalrous in Greek, and then a lot brave of I know. Sounds very Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Right. And then brave, fearless yeah, and, and, and and intrepid in Arabic. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it could be describing me herself, or maybe Joe just thought mm. that Basil was a good dog name. Maybe she likes the great mouse detective,
1: because that's the name of the Sherlocky mouse detective, Basil of Baker Street. <laughs> oh my god. Which was the first detective I ever loved.
2: <laughs> um Basil Rathbone was the actor who played Sherlock Holmes in the old oh. classic movies so I feel like that might have been the inspiration for the Great mass detective yeah and you'll like this Lindsay mm-hmm. one of this basil's middle names was St. John Oh my God
1: do you know what when I read your note I was like <laughs> why would I like it if its name was St John. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we didn't get to I like, was pronouncing it Sinjin that you were like, oh, that motherfucker. Do you know this? Do yes. Do you know this? Oh God. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sinjin Rivers is stupid. So for it. our listeners, <laughs> Lindsay was reading Jane Eyre. I was alternating between reading and listening. Tell us what happened.
1: Well, it just so happened that I had only listened to... Once we first meet Sinjin, yeah. right? So I mm-hmm. I never saw it written down. I went to message you and say that he was driving me nuts as yeah as he does. I didn't. I was like, well, I don't really know how to spell it. Let me make sure that I spell it correctly. So then I <laughs> yeah. open the book and I start looking for it. I can't find it anywhere. And then yeah. I finally realized, wait a second, what? And so we had this whole conversation about. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's Saint John. I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> very funny to me. So yes, St. John as Basil Rathbone's one of his minimal names there. That's great. That's a great connection to Jane Eyre. Well, my my connection with Basil mm-hmm. is obviously Basil Fawlty. No idea who that is. Are you kidding me, Ken's? Anything? Sorry. Oh my God, Fawlty Towers. It is a very funny British show. John is stars in it he's running a hotel faulty towers fucking hilarious and it's a bit old so maybe it's something that her her old husband liked her old husband (laughs) so maybe it's a clue that he's a faulty towers fan
1: anyway if anyone has any other ideas for the dog's name yeah
2: or if any of our listeners are very cultured and sophisticated with great taste and have watched Faulty Towers. Let me
1: know. Can I go back to Jane Eyre yeah, though? Yeah, let's go
2: back to Jane Eyre. Because
1: speaking of Jane Eyre, Neve is wearing a sweatshirt that says, I would always rather be happy than dignified. Mm-hmm. And the book says that this is a Charlotte Bronte quote, but we know specifically this is a Jane Eyre quote. Mm-hmm. I think it gives a lot of credence to the idea that there are echoes of Jane Eyre in this book. Yep, agreed. Do we want to talk about that more now or should we save it for that part?
2: Well, I mean, I think we should definitely start here. There are little nods to Jane Eyre sprinkled throughout this book. Not only the moment right. but that everyone has been talking about that we mentioned in our reactions episode the day after the book came out. So I'm going to talk about all these parallels when we get there. But I think that this quote, like the Cyclops in Troubled mm. Blood, is a little signpost that we should be on the lookout for these little parallels. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a sp- it's a, the flashing arrow. Say, look at this.
1: I also think that the quote itself was chosen particularly for this book because of Strike's thinking at the end of choosing and pursuing his own happiness.
2: Oh, yes. Completely agreed. It's also quite appropriate to be on the sweatshirt of a woman who married her boss um, and <laughs> old enough to be her father. Yeah. I'm just saying. No judgment, Neva. I'm not judging. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just
1: saying. That's a great connection. Yeah. So in this instance, Neve is Jane.
2: Or maybe just a fan of Jane Eyre because she kind of sees herself in it a bit, which yeah. actually yeah given Lowood school i bet Neve does see and she escapes from it oh my god holy shit Niamh is jane like yeah. in her mind oh fuck yeah. i bet yeah that would be my favorite book too yeah oh my I god so. i just blew my mind wide open moving on i don't know if i can yet i, I don't know if i can either because oh my god yeah and she lost her mother yep lost her father because he was a shithead she's got no one
1: yeah, I know. But anyway.
2: Yeah, anyway.
1: Did Neve saying she was an accountant make anyone else think, uh-oh? Oh, no. Can I trust her?
2: <laughs> yes, actually. But yeah, I think she might turn out to be the only decent accountant in these books, which, you know, good for her. I was a bit worried. But when she was baking cookies, mm. that really won me over. Cookies would have would have done it for me, too. Yeah. Chocolate chip. Oh, yeah.
1: We kind of just touched on this. But did anyone else think it was funny that Robin is trying not to judge Neve for marrying her former boss? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I get that there's a much bigger age difference there, Mm -hmm. but I still definitely laughed at that
0: oh be. yeah it is hilarious given that she's going to be marrying her former boss in a few future <laughs> yeah, she right? and she did the same thing with cynthia and roy in troubled <gasps> blood didn't she oh my god you're
1: so right this is the thing isn't it yep. pools where mm-hmm. you dislike something in yep. someone else because you dislike it in mm-hmm.
2: yourself yep. i think that robin has got to do some shadow work <laughs> is what i think she's suppressing her own love for her former boss and therefore judging it in everyone else oh that's funny Basic psychology stuff robin prudence can tell you about this that is actually <laughs> really hilarious it is great i love judgy robin mm-hmm. this judgy robin is not my favorite
1: it's Judgey particularly robin. good since
2: it's so <laughs> hypocritical i love them both when they're hypocritical yeah i find great. it very endearing of like, course it yeah. is yeah it's so cute oh, that might be my favorite thing to come out of this set of chapters
1: okay the way neve talks about both of her parents is interesting mm-hmm. i think your earlier perspective of Neve's father. Deirdre's husband is correct pools by what we're told in this chapter. So Neve talks about the night that they left. And yeah, I think he absolutely left Deirdre there because he was angry at her for big air quotes here, sleeping with someone else. And obviously we're giving air quotes because we know the truth. The thing is though, even if she did sleep with other people whether it was coerced or just part of the church that he wanted to join, he has no right to be
2: angry. Right? I already hate this guy. This guy basically got his wife killed. All of this was his fault. A hundred percent. He's the one that dragged her into this.
1: He seems like the kind of guy who gets really caught up in ideals and makes it his whole personality, Mm -hmm. just from the other things that Deeve says. He just doesn't seem to be very logical and also has a bad temper, which seems like a bad combination
2: very much he comes off to me as like a, a steamroller mm. or just like a controlling or even just entitled it seems like yeah. what he wants is what happens and there's no yeah. question that it wouldn't be
1: but i was interested in in the way neve describes her mother deirdre as just going along with it and doing mm-hmm. anything for an easy life now, mm-hmm. obviously, this is a lot of speculation because we don't know a lot about Deirdre, but I am guessing that she could have been this way to avoid conflict with her husband, who was likely at least verbally abusive.
2: I fully agree that this is a survival strategy in yeah. an abusive course relationship.
1: I know from experience that it can result in resentment from children for not mm-hmm. doing more to protect them from the abusive parent. I think I see that in Neve a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that is 100% true, and I agree. I think we see a small close to that resentment here
1: and then neve starts talking about her siblings and the struggles that they face after the uhc she says that she's fine and that kind of reminded me of strike and lucy a bit because as Mm. robin points out she does choose to marry a man who's old enough to be her father
2: she probably wants that security that is such a good parallel to point out because she and strike are both eldest children Mm -hmm. and they've both escaped and didn't know about sexual abuse that their younger siblings suffered this is a parallel right here yeah
1: i think so we gotta jump to this cute moment though because oh my God. this is yeah. one of my favorite strike moments in this book when neve mm. goes upstairs to get a picture of deirdre and the dog <laughs> wants a piece of the cookie he's eating and robin tells him not to give the dog any and he says she says you can't have any strike told the fox terrier cramming the rest of the biscuit into his mouth It's not my decision oh my god it's so cute it is so cute and i don't know why it feels a little flirty to me but it does and it's adorable
2: 100 i
1: love it these two are so married
2: this moment it's the most married they've ever been like (laughs) i mean and they've been super married before but this (laughs) is next level and it absolutely melts me like chocolate chips and strikes mouth Oh boy, I didn't expect you to say that. Also, just a note that this is Robin telling Strike what to do or not to do and strike obeying. We love that. Plus Robin's knowledge of animals that she immediately shares because she knows Strike won't have had the same experience growing up with dogs as she does. She's sharing her expertise here. Very cute. Very cute. This moment is adorable. He is so cute in this moment. That's in my my top five list too. Yeah, I love it.
1: Neve talks about how there aren't any clocks or calendars there. This information just made me curious about something else. I'm just wondering how on earth these kids know how to read and write with the type of education that they're getting. Mm Because someone, they must be teaching them more than what we see. Because we know they know how to read and write because Neve talks about, you know, they have to write in their journals when they turn nine.
0: Yeah. Someone's teaching them to read and write, but how? Well, I certainly hope that they're teaching them to read and write, but I would think they would. I mean, how else are people supposed to read the answer? <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. I have been wondering this too, and it's been driving me absolutely crazy. Neve at least would have known how to read really well going in at age of eight. But where are the reading lessons for the rest of the kids if they're just learning rote doctrine? I don't know. It's insane. I don't get
1: it. Somehow it's happening. Maybe they're growing more and more lax with it. Maybe when mm. Neve was there, be it was a little bit better.
2: I mean, the only ones they're keeping are are the girls, really. So mm. why would girls need to learn how to read? I don't since know. They're just walking uteruses.
1: Another thing Neve says is she tells a story about how she and her brother found a bloody hatchet in the hollow of a tree, mm. and everyone knew this was a big deal, right? Oh yeah. I'm like, oh, it shit. almost seems so obvious to me now that this is clearly the murder weapon, the smoking hatchet. <laughs> (laughs) Smoking hatchet. Oh, yeah. It seems clear that Dayu didn't drown and that this is what happened.
0: Definitely obvious that the hatchet is going to be hugely important to the plot.
1: Especially when it says, We made up this whole story in secret about how Mazu had taken a naughty child into the woods and killed them there.
2: Oh, man. We should see if we can get these two to help us make predictions for book eight because that's (laughs) pretty close. (laughs) This feels
1: like one of those moments where Joe kind of tells us the answer Mm -hmm. without telling us. Okay. So next, Neve tells Shike and Robin about the drowned prophet. It's Mm. so weird. Because it, it almost feels like we're talking about two different people when you talk about Dayu versus talking about the drowned
2: prophet. But they are. They really are. One was a child, a little mm-hmm. spoiled maybe, but so young, seven years old. And the other is a complete projection. It's a myth built in a child's image. So fabricated and exaggerated that there's nothing left of Dayu herself in it. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me a bit of what I was saying about Becca in an early episode, how she too has become entirely facade and surface she is a projection of the church's beliefs and practices and we never really see the real Becca sometimes when people talk about Dayu being
1: spoiled I I wonder just, how true uh, that is well because it's like she's just
2: not abused yeah she's just less abused than yeah, the other kids exactly baby. although who so who really abused. knows but yeah just less so yeah we're gonna have a lot to say when we get to Dayu because yeah on the first read you kind of forget that Dayu yeah. the child existed
1: I know when it's
2: so subsumed in this Dayu the drowned prophet image but and like i had said
1: before it's it's easy for me to mix them up and think of her as kind of a villain because the drowned prophet is so scary
2: yeah but it's waste it's scary
1: neve talks about seeing dayu or the drowned prophet in the forest sometimes in her white dress i can just only imagine how scary this kind of thing would be to a child it says Mm. all the kids at chapman farm were petrified of the drowned prophet she's listening she'll know if you're lying she'll come and find you in the dark That was enough to scare us all into good behavior. (sighs) It really sounds like the drowned prophet was like evil Santa.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) What was the dark version of Santa that Dwight went on about (laughs) in that one Christmas episode? Well, I don't know if this is Dwight's one, but Krampus is dark Mm. Santa. Big Krampus vibes.
1: It just makes me think when he's like, learn your rules. rules. You better better learn learn your rules. (laughs) If you don't, you'll be eaten in your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Strike reads some names to see if Neve remembers them, and the first name she recognizes is Kevin's and tells them she remembers his sisters too, Emily and Becca. If I wasn't already wary about Becca, seeing as how she's high up and looks American, can't trust that, uh, this would have done it. Definitely cannot trust Americans. Obviously. Especially Californians. Especially Californians. (laughs) I think everybody knows that, though. Mm -hmm. I had no idea why Becca had been gone for three years and then came back to Chapman Farm, but hearing that she's a favorite of Jonathan Wace's and Mazu's, it was concerning.
2: Plus the fact that she's a bit of a bully. But now we know, of course, she was sent away to be more thoroughly indoctrinated by Wace to make sure that she would never reveal what she knew. Mm-hmm. She'd stay loyal. We also know that she wasn't actually in Birmingham. She was at some other unknown location. I believe is revealed later in the book. Surprised mm. he didn't just kill her. Me too. Honestly, send her to the murder pool.
1: Yeah, Flora is mentioned, as mm. is the idea of making these dolls. Neve calls them corn dolls. I wonder if you would be giving too much away to call them straw dolls after the clue on Kevin's wall.
2: Apparently in my research, I'm not 100% sure on this, but from what I've gathered in British English, corn was traditionally used in the past to refer to all cereal grains, like wheat, barley, etc. So corn dollies, the things, aren't actually made with corn husks. Like I know we were all imagining them to be made with. They're made with the straw. From like wheat and rye and barley, but they're called corn dollies because of the traditional names of those crops. Okay. Which is also why the corn laws that were repealed in 1846 were called the corn laws, right? It wasn't about sweet corn, it wasn't about Mm. maize, it was about grains. Listeners, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I've gathered. There are no corn husks involved, it's straw that these are made from. Okay. Interesting. So that's why straw. Yes. And note in this bit where he's listing the names for her, Mm -hmm. Note that Neve doesn't remember any of the names of the people who witnessed Diou's death. Jordan, Paul, Cherie. Indicating that they were all already gone around four years after her death. Yeah. Just for like timeline building purposes so that we know who's when and where. Mm -hmm. Yeah. those three were all long gone
1: uh the other two names that Neve remembers are Margaret Cathcart-Bryce and Dr mm-hmm. Coates which isn't surprising given that they become prophets they're probably well known yeah it really made me laugh when Neve describes Margaret Cathcart-Bryce as looking stretched it's just such a childlike way to describe so many facelifts
2: stretched. I keep picturing Jennifer Coolidge, but in like 30 (laughs) years or whatever. (laughs) I mean, cast her. She's amazing. Let her play a flashback Margaret. But that's what I've been picturing.
1: Oh, man. I wonder who they're going to cast for things like this. Tayo. I cannot wait to see this one. You know what I thought about when I was reading this? I wonder, because we know that Holiday Granger reads these books as soon as they come out. She's already said that. She gets them instantly and reads them, which I love. It's one of my favorite things.
2: When she's reading The Trowning, she's going to be like,
1: I want to know if she reads these and thinks, oh my God, I get to do this. Because yeah. this,
2: this is going to be epic for Robin. She's probably so excited. Mm-hmm. The scope for her talent. She's going to be like, oh, fuck.
1: Yeah. Going back to it. Of course, we're all sad for Neve's little sister, right? Because it's just been confirmed that she spent time with Dr. Coates.
2: Yeah. My heart sank when I heard that. Mm-hmm. Especially in conjunction with the earlier info that Maeve has binge eating disorder and is big. This is a pretty common reaction to sexual abuse in childhood for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. And we see the same thing in Flora later. But yeah, yeah, combined with this info about coats, it's a big waving red flag.
1: Before they leave, Neve asks them, to let her know if they find out what happened to Deirdre. And I feel like this could be a tough one.
2: Mm-hmm. I guess,
1: on the other hand, it could be
2: a lot of relief for Neve.
1: Like the way that yeah. Anna felt in Troubled Blood, knowing that her mother didn't just choose to not contact them anymore.
2: I'm really kind of hoping that Neve reaches out to Lynn after the book, because that is her half-sister. Oh my god, I never even made that connection. It is, and Neve seems like a really kind woman, and I think it would be good for Lynn to have some kind of family connection to build outside of Mm. the Enzers, and the Chaunceys, of course. Of course.
1: Because that's now family,
2: but I really hope that Neve reaches out or Robin facilitates a meeting or something.
1: I'm sure that will happen, and that's Mm -hmm. wonderful to think about, that Lynn has so many connections on the outside. She's not alone. All her flesh objects are there for her oh
2: bless the flesh objects
1: okay so we end the chapter where strike asks robin to go along to the car and he shares with neve about dr coates being a pedophile and says that her younger sister might need more help than she's letting on what are Mm. our thoughts about this
0: Honestly, I think that was a really good call on his part. He's seen the benefit that being honest with Lucy and that feeling that can bring. Mm -hmm. So we can only hope that it does the same thing for Neve and Maeve.
2: I agree that it was the right thing to do because it's not like he's breaking Maeve's confidence or trust. He's never even met her. He's sharing information he had that could be relevant, which is completely ethical in my opinion. And I agree, I think this might help Maeve. And I I just did the math. And I think Maeve would have been between the ages of four Seven when they were at the farm, oh. which I really hate. Aww. Thanks a lot, math. I mean, what good has math ever done for anyone? <laughs> Can we just cancel math? Sure. <laughs> just no one wants it. Don't at me. I know that math is important. I know. But honestly, ending that on a depressing note. That was a depressing note, but you're welcome. Let's go to chapter
1: 22. This is a little bit more fun.
2: You feeling 22?
1: I am feeling 22.
2: I think everything will be all right. And Strike's going to be feeling 42. Okay.
0: In chapter 22, Strike and Robin debrief on their interview with Neve, and Strike gets a call from Jordan Reamy's ex-wife, Ava.
2: So the epigraph to chapter 22 reads, Nine at the top means look to your conduct and weigh the favorable signs. And that's from hexagram 10, treading.
1: I think this might be about Strike and Robin choosing not to push things that they might want to push in this chapter so they Mm -hmm. don't have conflict on their last day together before she leaves. Mm -hmm. My Mm -hmm. cake deck says, do not create conflict where none exists. I'm not saying it's not real conflict, but they don't need to have it now. I mean, I wish they would, obviously, but I I think that that's where they're coming from.
2: We all wish they would. Yeah. The hexagram is about the right way of conducting oneself, and they Mm -hmm. are both taking pains to conduct themselves in the right way. They both step back from the wrong way in this at some point.
1: I don't think I'll ever grow tired of Strike and Robin having a debrief in a pub, those chapters.
2: Will we ever get tired of any chapter in which these two interact in any way? No. (laughs) No, the answer is no, but the pub debriefs do tend to be really good and really cute
1: i'm gonna be old on hospice care like can you please read me <laughs> chapter 58 of troubled
2: blood exactly yeah i want to hear about his blue burger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i want to hear when he steps forward or threatens to burn the church <sighs> to the ground <laughs> okay that's ridiculous anyway the chapter starts with robin a little conflicted it says having taken the day off murphy would be expecting her to be back as soon as possible to spend their last few hours together, yet their slightly tense phone conversation of the previous evening in which Murphy had just refrained from becoming openly annoyed had irked her, Her boyfriend, who supposedly wanted her as well-prepared as possible before going undercover, had resented her speaking to the last witness before she went in, and his behavior was all too reminiscent of her marriage. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm basically just repeating what Robin is thinking, but you cannot help but remember Lethal
2: White.
0: Yeah, you know there are red flags when you start getting comparisons to Matthew.
2: Oh, and she was undercover in Lethal White, too, and that was the relationship strainer.
0: Yeah, Matthew didn't like her being
1: undercover, did he?
2: Parallels. I think she's getting a bit the ick with this i'm getting it we're all getting it
1: well not all of us some people don't understand what red flags were saying that there's nothing wrong with him yeah we'll talk about it we'll talk about it next time oh yeah i don't know if anyone thinks strike is wrong for this but i find it sweet when it says he was just happy to have
0: gained lunch
1: just happy to get extra time with her
0: i'm with you it's adorable he wants to spend every last second he can with her before she's gone
2: what a sharp contrast to all those times where he's seen meals with his girlfriends as basically chores that Mm -hmm. he has to get through to get to the sex, yeah, huge contrast. I'm also sort of wondering if some part of him is viewing this as a kind of war with Murphy, where he's <laughs> trying to gain territory, and oh, he's cut through the wires got and he's gotten lunch. Yeah, so that's a slight victory, a slight gain, move the little flag on the map. I mean, I
1: see it. That's <laughs> yeah. me. I'm like, ha ha, a little bit. I was with him that I was hoping service would be slow.
2: Oh my god, yes. I was like, okay. Give them the most incompetent waiter alive. (laughs) The first day of the dumbest waiter on the planet. Let the kitchen be absolutely slammed. Mm -hmm. Let the chef pass out for an hour in the walk-in because he's super (laughs) hungover, which is pretty. It's a kitchen. I've worked in them before. Mm. Bring it all on. Yeah. I'm here for it. Not to insult the restaurant. I'm sure it's great.
1: I looked at pictures. It looks so cute. Merlin's cave sounds magical, looks adorable. It It looks so cozy.
2: Great place for a little date. I still can't get over the fact that he went to Google to find a restaurant for Robin, one that she would enjoy, a special place he could take her before she went away. It's literally killing me. It's really cute.
1: Look, Strike is romantic. Yeah. We haven't seen this with his actual girlfriends, but this man is in love with her. It shows. He is romantic. Yes.
2: I've always thought that he was a romantic at heart. See the end of Trouble Blood. Mm, quite. Hand kiss. The hand kiss. The hand kiss. Yeah. And now we find out he's quoting like poetry to Charlotte. Yeah. See? Previously, she was like, oh, it was in a thousand kisses, whatever. But he's going to quote different poetry to Robin. Yeah, he's romantic. 100%. Anyway, this part is so funny
1: where Strike lets on that he knows Murphy is an alcoholic. When Robin asks if Ilsa told him, I wonder if she thinks it's better or worse that it was actually Wardle.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I mean, after years of getting all of the Juicy Strike gossip for Ilsa, (laughs) it would have been a bit, well, 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 how the turntables, Robin, or a little like shocked Pikachu face, Robin, because I can apparently only speak in memes and gifs now. I think what I'm thinking is if it had been Ilsa, she
1: might have been annoyed that ilsa yeah. told him but if mm-hmm. it's wardle that means there's something worth telling do you oh. know what i mean mm-hmm. ilsa would have just been passing along information wardle mm-hmm. had something to tell strike
0: i think that ilsa would know surface details i mean they've only murphy and ilsa have only met the one time at the christening,
2: right yeah that we know of. and i'm betting that robin's a bit tight-lipped about the whole murphy thing to ilsa
0: Exactly. (laughs) But Wardle's worked alongside this guy for years and has probably seen and heard things about Murphy that Robin really does not want to hear about, especially since she's just focusing like exclusively on the positives of her relationship with Murphy right now.
1: Yeah, Robin thinks that Strike wanted to tell her what Wardle said. But it says the strike had no intention of doing so. So what do you think he was trying to do here?
2: You know, I've just been probing for info, like trying Mm -hmm. to figure out where their relationship stands or trying to figure out the likelihood of Ryan relapsing, which seems to be what he's pinning his hopes on, the idiot. (laughs) Robin is not wrong about the gross hypocrisy of strike trying to meddle in someone else's relationship, though, because strike. It's funny. <laughs> but strike changes the
1: subject to Neve. Robin thinks that there are a few interesting things. So the first one is the photo of Deirdre matches the description Henry gave of the pregnant woman at the farm. And they discuss the possibility
2: that she's dead. I love that Robin is the one arguing for Deirdre being dead here because it's like a low redemption after she kept saying that Gus definitely wasn't the killer. think <laughs> Black Blackheart, you know, mm-hmm. here she's like, yes, you nailed it, Robin. Good job. The whole talk about Deirdre has made me just think
1: how cowardly the waces are with that murder pool. Because Strike makes a good argument that murder wouldn't be necessary since rape would have been very hard to prove in that situation. But Deirdre was still sort of a threat and
2: probably also making Waste really angry. I think the primary motivation there was just punishment. Mm. I don't think that Waste is really a afraid of any of the members of the church because I think he thinks far too highly of himself. That's true. And of his control over the church. I think he thinks he can't be Dutch. So he's yeah. just doing this to enjoy punishing.
1: Yeah, I don't know my point is really other than it seems like they throw troublemakers in this pool and if they mm-hmm. drown, oh well. And then they can deny that they intended it.
2: Yeah, no. That's basically it. It'd scare all the other members shitless. Seeing the drowned prophet punish people by pulling them under, it keeps them in line. Also love that we're just calling it the murder pool now. Yeah, I mean, that's the official name, I think. Yeah.
1: They also talk about that she could have died from natural causes. This feels a bit eerie knowing what we know. It says, It's farmland, said Robin. She could have been buried anywhere, over acres. Mm -hmm. Then Strike says, And we're not going to get the authority to dig up all the fields on an evidence-free hunch. That doesn't tell you that there are bodies being dug up by the end of this book. I don't know what does.
2: Indeed.
1: (laughs) Here's where Robin asks Strike if he could pass along any notes for Ryan. And it says she felt awkward asking. And I'm just, I'm shaking my head at her because the only reason it feels awkward is because she
2: knows he's jealous. She knows there has to be something between them. She does. I love when it says he writes this request down, his expression impassive, Mm. only because it feels very similar to the note in the previous chapter where he writes down about Dr. Coates treating Maeve, his face expressionless. Yeah. Basically, He has got his poker face. He's got his poker face on here. So we know that there is a lot going on under the surface, under that poker face, right? Oh,
1: poor strike. I'm glad Murphy and Robin's notes to each other were so dull.
0: (laughs) And so few and far between.
2: Oh, I know. They were not sentimental in the slightest. Yeah, Mm -mm. really should have been a flag of some color for Robin. Or Murphy. I know. <laughs> God. Dude, you're a detective. Detect.
1: Strike asks Robin a question that I had been wondering about for so long, and that's if Robin told her family what she was about to do. She only said that she'd be undercover for a bit.
2: Understatement of the year. I know. Um, but then again, she couldn't have guessed that she'd be there for four months. No, of course not. No one not. thought she'd be there that long. No.
0: I don't think Robin could have told them. Yeah.
1: I think they'd have lost their minds, and I'm
0: not sure I would have really blamed them. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, I think that Linda literally would have shat staples if that had happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's also so funny that Murphy is going to keep them updated because he gets hardly anything from her in the notes. Like, what is he actually saying?
2: I think that Robin was right later on when she says that she thinks he was winding Linda up because... Like you said, he got basically nothing from Robin. So I have a feeling he was filling in all the blanks with his own opinions during those phone calls with Linda. Um, I absolutely hate the idea of Linda and Murphy talking on the phone. It's a bit like Linda and Matthew whispering to each other in the apartment in Career Evil, isn't it? Yeah. Which very much annoyed me. It annoyed me too. Yeah. Because if my husband did what Matthew did, my mother would not be whispering to him. She would be poisoning his food. (laughs) So, bless her.
1: Yeah. I wonder, was Murphy instructed to not say where she was to her parents? Mm -hmm. Or was Robin okay with him telling her once she was there?
2: I don't think that Robin would want to risk Linda knowing where she was. Mm -hmm. If only because by month three, I feel like Linda, or any mother, would be ready to march down to that farm and drag her daughter out herself. I mean, this is kind of a plus for Murphy,
1: though, because I don't know how he doesn't crack under the pressure.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because
1: if I had been Linda, I think I would have done pretty much anything to know what was going on. Yeah. He stands up under interrogation. I guess so. For him. That's a (laughs) pro to the Murphy column. Yeah. Honestly, though, that must have been hard for him to do to have to keep her parents in the loop without saying anything. Yeah. Without saying (laughs) it. Well, well, without telling her where Robin actually was. Mm -hmm. We have to stop from case talk real quick, just to mention this line when their food arrives. It says Strike, who is still abstaining from chips, looks so enviously at Robins that she laughed. (laughs) We've all been there, Strike.
0: Oh yeah, that's a mood. Strike's deep and abiding love of food. It's just so adorable and endearing.
1: All right, Strike takes a call from Jordan Green's wife or ex wife, as she says. Strike is trying to find someone to ask Greene to talk to him since he's in prison. But the interesting thing about this conversation is when she tells Strike that Jordan has nightmares and is afraid of pigs.
2: Oh, this was the moment where I was like, well, I was definitely right. The mm. Pigs ate somebody's body. It's confirmed.
1: Yeah. Can I just say that someone emailed us that said that they didn't think that this was very believable or a real thing that pigs could eat somebody. Mm-hmm. This is a real thing, right? This, there yeah. was a killer who fed victims to pigs, right? There have
2: been multiple Oh, cheerful. But the most notable one is Canadian, so I'm yeah. more familiar with him. I've mentioned it before on here. So I won't mm-hmm. go into details, but it's Robert Picton if anyone wants to look him up. Warning, it's grim. Mm. But yeah, pigs will definitely eat bodies, 100%. Yeah,
1: that's a it's a thing. It's horrifying. On the cuter side, little farm banter between Strike and Robin is cute. Takes me back to the Ritz. Mm -hmm. So sweet. I love it. And then the chapter ends with Robin noticing a text from Bijou. And she Mm. considers passing along Ilsa's warning about Bijou being a sperm thief. Mm I really wish she had. Same. I don't think Strike would have been as angry this time because he had already decided that this was over. Yeah. They could have mended that a
2: little bit. Plus, it would have made Strike panic a little. Mm. Because honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing him sweat. It would really ram home the lesson yeah. that Bijou was a bad idea for him.
1: Yeah, it could have given him the opportunity to tell Robin that it was over before it started and she'd be relieved. Yeah. And lastly, I still just think it would have been the right thing to do. I know it's a book and it needs drama. Yeah, it just feels like the
2: right thing to do to Yeah. Me. If I was Strike, I would definitely want to know. But then if Strike wants to know important things like this, he probably shouldn't be such a dick when people try to tell him (laughs) important things like this, No, of
1: course. But that's when you could slap him upside the head and say, this is what I was trying to tell you, you idiot.
2: I would very much enjoy doing that.
1: I know that there's a little bit later on where Robin thinks that he's with her and therefore is fine sharing the bed. I don't think she fully needed that excuse. I think she would have been fine with it either way. We'll
2: get to that. Because I have thoughts on that and I can't wait to get to it.
1: It's just sweet that Robin doesn't want to bring this up because Mm -hmm. this was the last time she was going to see her business partner for a while and she preferred not to part on bad terms.
2: And she doesn't even know it's going to be four months before she sees him again. That's the longest they've ever gone without seeing each other since they met. It is. Mm -hmm. That hurts so much.
1: Can I just say one thing that I'm sad we didn't get in this book? And Mm -hmm. I hate saying this because this book was such a gift such Such a a gift gift. but I really really wanted to see them say goodbye to each
0: other Mm. oh same I was hoping for that as well a goodbye hug would have been amazing
2: I know that happened In my head. When he dropped her off. They definitely hugged. I hope so. It happened.
1: Yes. I really do. I mean, there's no way he wouldn't have said
2: anything. There's no way that he would have said, okay, bye, and let her get out of the car. Come on. Mm -mm. Oh, boy. Now, oh, boy. Stop in for the rest of the season, folks. What are we doing next time, Ken?
0: All right. So next Right. Yeah. So next episode, we're doing chapters 23 through 26. And these chapters see Robin arriving at Chapman Farm. And then we see kind of the beginnings of her time there. Oh, boy. Lots of cult stuff.
2: Get our noodles ready, get our tin tomatoes ready. No carrots. Can't wait. No No carrots.
0: carrots. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy what you've heard, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at the Se Files Pod. You can also contact us on our website at theSilespod.com or email us directly at SEfilespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for listening and we hope to catch you next time for another episode of the Strike in Ellicott Files.